0: like that Anya, she's newly human and strangely literal. What? I don't say that. No one says that. No one talks that way. Strangely Literal, the pod. You haven't seen my drawer of inappropriate starches. So here's the part where you make a choice. book was just telling us funny stories about his life at the
1: monastery. This goes beyond anything I've ever done. It's a total loss of control. And not a nice wholesome, my girlfriend has a fierce tongue cut away.
0: I think you've already figured out I'm not the poster boy for normal. I've given some thought to moving off the edge. Not an ideal location. What a crazy random happenstance!
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Strangely Literal. I have another Firefly fanfic for you. This one sent to me. Thank you so much, Matthew. I love it. It is Malcolm versus Caleb, Part One. And it is fantastic. It, the capturing of the voices is great in this book, From Caleb to Mal to the first, uh, it's great. And we have our very own Malcolm Reynolds, Dan Putnam from Firefly Between the Lines, who read the story. So here's another one of those little teases. Hopefully soon you'll be hearing Firefly Between the Lines. Hope you enjoy and You can count how many times I said hope in this podcast. Um, Right now, my cats are sleeping. So if you guys have been wondering why you have not heard them, they've been very quiet lately. So apparently, my boyfriend and Jack do not want to talk to you. (laughs) Um, But if you have not already picked up their book, Jack the Kitten is Very Brave on Amazon, um, do so. They would love you for it and maybe they'll come talk on the podcast again. Talk to you guys soon. Hope you enjoy Dan Putnam reading Malcolm vs. Caleb.
0: Time for some thrilling heroics. Here's how it is. You'll get killed, I'm telling. Okay, that's new. Malcolm Reynolds vs. Caleb, Part 1. By Matthew Jones. Read by Dan Putnam. Caleb. The sound curled through the air like sweet, sweet cotton candy. It was the most beautiful thing Caleb had heard in a very long time. And it wasn't that this voice was the only voice he had heard in centuries. It wasn't that this was the voice of a little harlot he'd put on the end of a knife back when he was alive. It was that the first and most pure form of evil had not abandoned him like he had feared. The first had come for him. Its power pulled his consciousness together like mercury, and soon he was with form. He could see his hands, and he could feel the first filling him with its strength. He attempted to fill his lungs with air, but none would come. Yeah, you'll have to wait a spell for that. We're a little ways from any air. Don't you worry yourself, though. No harm will come to you while I got you, the first said. That is comfort. Caleb attempted to say, but with no air there was no way for him to make noise. Yeah, that too. The first made a girlish giggle that was an abomination to all laughter. So how is this supposed to work? Caleb thought to himself. I thought that would be obvious, Caleb. Of course, Caleb thought. What would you have of me? I want you to see something. Close your eyes for me the first said with a seductive drawl. Open or close might be the same difference out here. The former preacher peered deep into a vast black nothingness. Believe me, it's better if your eyes are closed. Caleb did as he was bid. Like he suspected, there was no difference between the black he saw with his eyes open and the black he saw with his eyes closed. You can open them now. Caleb, again, did as he was bid. Now he was standing in a room filled with screaming and fighting. Bloodied men with axes and swords were being chopped down like wheat at harvest time. Moreover, the one doing the chopping was a little girl. She might have been about eighteen, if that. Her wavy, dark hair fanned out in arcs as she spun around the men's attempts to end her. One by one, she felled them all and made it look like art. She was horribly still as the last of the men dropped to the ground. Blood spattered up either of her arms and marred her sundress. Slayer, Caleb thought. I don't blame you for thinking that, Caleb. No, she is something else. The Slayers died out when the world died, but that's all old news. Not for me. What, when did the world die? A long time from now. Humans didn't need my help for an apocalypse after all. I'm sure you could have done a better job at it than they ever did. I'm sure I could. Another question. You're sure she ain't a slayer? She's looking a hell of a lot like one. I'm sure, Caleb, the first said, sounding vaguely annoyed. I'm not afraid, mind you. It's just the last slayer I came up against sliced me from my balls to my neck, and that will give any man pause. Caleb, don't be crude. Fair enough. Caleb, I want her. I want her in the worst way, and I send you forth to gather her for me. I haven't been doing much lately anyway. Two. Jane was doing in his bunk what everyone assumed he did in his bunk when he was alone, when the first appeared as an old friend. Uh, "'Christ, Jane!' the first cried, turning his incorporeal head away from the large man. Jane snatched up his pants and threw his blanket and pillow over his lap for good measure. A long string of mandarin curses poured from Jane's mouth before he recognized the man standing before him. "'Wash?' Jane said softly. His mouth fell open. Y- "'You think they make bleach for ice? I- if not, I'll, I'll have to sell for taking him out with a fork,' the first said. W- "'Wash, y- you're dead.' Jane said. Yeah, that would be a way of thinking of it. No, no, there ain't no two ways about it. You got a big hunk of metal through your chest a while back. Jane, I'm aware. It hurt like hell. But here I stand, traumatized by your... that. Your wife, Zoe. She don't realize it, but I can hear her crying at night sometimes, alone in her bunk. She's hurting. I've seen she has a hole in her. I need you to help me fill. You asking me to sleep with your wife? The first let out a string of mandarin curses himself. No, Jane. This this hole isn't literal. I, I need you to help bring me back to life. So, listen. Next time the cockpit is empty, I need you to redirect the ship. Why are you talking to Mal about this? Why not your wife? Why me? Because Mal, Zoe, River... Simon Kaylee, they're all going to sleep peacefully when they die. Much as we didn't get along in life, I still wouldn't wish what's coming for you when you catch a bullet one of these days. What do you mean? The dead are eager to have you, Jane. You wronged a lot of men. Bad men, most of them, but men with grudges. They all remain. The first transformed into a dirty-looking man with one eye gone. You shot me, Jane. You shot me in the back over ten credits. The first transformed again, his face growing an eye where there was none. The face grew cleaner, more handsome. You shot me over five. The first transformed again, a massive beard sprouting from his chin and stretching down his chest. You didn't waste a bullet on me. You just left me drifting in a dead ship with only half an hour air left. I didn't die well. It's just like in those Christmas stories, the first said, turning back in a wash. You're a bad man, Jane. Hell is waiting for you. I want to save you from that. One good deed. One great deed to make up all the sins of the past. You sound like Shepherd Book. Shepherd was a wise man. You know what I'm saying to be true, Jane. Save yourself. Save me. Help me hold my wife again. Where am I redirecting the ship to? Jane asked. His gaze directed at the ground. Straight into the edge of space, where the Reavers are. Reavers! Jane shouted. He repented, and repeated as a whisper, Reavers. I don't like it either. I don't want my friends, my wife, anywhere near there. But we don't have a choice. If I'm sending us into Reaver territory, I gotta let the others know. It ain't right to lead them into a fight blind. I've found my way across death. I'm the best pilot this ship's ever seen. Don't worry about fighting with reavers. I can get you where you need to be without ever having them notice. You sure of that? I am, the first said, offering Jane a smile. Three. That ain't good, Mal said, staring at Serenity's navigation coordinates. That's very not good. Coordinates had been locked, and he hadn't the foggiest idea of how to undo what was done. He had no idea where to start. Split between two thoughts, racing down the hallways in search of River and staying put and figuring the problem out. He was getting nowhere with the ladder, but River had found thousands of little nooks and crannies to hide in on Serenity. He'd spend his time better looking for a needle in a haystack. Thought came to him all at once, and he was racing down the hallways screaming Kaylee's name. She was normally where he could find her, and she'd be at least a little useful in this situation. He spilled into the entry room and then screamed out in horror. Kaylee and Simon scrambled to untangle themselves from one another and gather their clothing. Mal kept his gaze toward the doorway. Captain, I-, I-, I was was just helping uh, uh, Kaylee. Simon, I will shoot you if you talk to me without pants on. Simon silenced himself at once, hurrying into his black slacks. What seems to be the problem, Captain? Kaylee asked, laughing slightly at Simon's discomfort. Somebody. Probably your moonbrain sister, Mal said, pointing a finger at Simon. Lock coordinates to God knows where. I don't like it when my boat does things I didn't tell her to. I'll go up and see what I can do, Captain, Kaylee said, skirting past Mal. Simon, see if you can't figure out where your sister is. Maybe she can undo what she's done. <laughs> if she did it... Go find her, please. Mal said. Simon moved past him into the hallway. Mal took a moment to process what he'd just seen, and then he was off to the cockpit to see what could be done. The cockpit was the way he had left it, completely empty. Kaylee had a head start. Should have been in by now, working the problem, but she wasn't. Little did Mal know she was near, just unconscious. All of the characters and universes referenced here are the intellectual copyrighted material of Joss Whedon, the Fox Network, Universal Pictures, and others. This podcast and the stories contained herein are purely for entertainment purposes and no money or second life money was made off of this. All stories are by individuals and used with permission from the author. Strangely Literal was created in Chicago and is now produced in Los Angeles and has no connection or affiliation with Joss Whedon. For more information about this show, please check out our website at StrangelyLiteral.com.
1: Yay, me.